0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, June 2nd, 2013. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator for this morning. This morning, A Vision for You welcomes Harlan. Harlan is a recovered compulsive overeater, a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous, and he is dedicated to teaching the program of recovery as outlined in the big book. Harlan spends a great amount of time intensively working with other compulsive overeaters to carry the message that there is a solution. And here to speak to us this morning on the reason why is
1: Harlan. Good morning to you, Harlan. Good morning, Leah. Can you hear me okay? Indeed. Okay, great, great. Um, As Leah said, I'm, I'm Harlan. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm very honored to be here this morning. And what we're going to do this morning, hopefully, is we're going to demystify some of the things that surround the first step, the powerless condition of mind and body. And for about 7,000 years, people have philosophized about what this is and what this isn't, as far back as the Bible Uh, Solomon philosophized that alcoholism was an illness, but he had no cure for it and he couldn't prove it. Around the time of the 1640s in England, there was a Dr. Trotter, and Dr. Trotter at that time believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he had no cure for it and he certainly couldn't prove it. And around the time of the American Revolution, there was a man who later would become the first Surgeon General of the United States. He was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it, and he had no cure for it. His name was Benjamin Rush, Dr. Benjamin Rush. And if you ever come to Chicago, where I was born and raised, you'll see a street called Rush Street, very touristy area. We're told throughout our lives as compulsive overeaters that food and weight are the problem, that food and weight are the issue, and we are told by well-intentioned, unknowing people that all we need to do is push ourselves away from the table, that all we need to do is eat half, that all we need to do is to limit the amount of food we take in while exercising more, and once we get thin, once we lose weight, we will feel great. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you are a true compulsive overeater, and we'll get into that in a minute, that feels terrible, terrible. And even though we may have at times lost a lot of weight through dieting, through unaided willpower, What Dr. Silkworth, in the doctor's opinion of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, tells us that that means we're going to feel a lot of pain, and the pain of not eating drives us irresistibly into the food. So let's take a look very briefly at where the first step comes from and how it was developed. Dr. William Duncan Silkworth was a neurologist in New York City in the 1920s. And in 1929, on Black Tuesday, the 29th of October, 1929, he lost everything he had in the stock market, along with many, many other Americans as well and people around the world. And William Duncan Silkworth at that time, he went to work at the Towns Hospital in New York City, which was at that time the preeminent hospital for the treatment of drug addiction and alcoholism. And for years, Dr. Silkworth observed alcoholics coming in and out. He also observed drunks coming in and out, and he made a very significant difference in his mind that separated these alcoholics from the drunks. What was that observation? These drunks would come in, these alcoholics would come in, and they would patch them up, and they would load them up with food and B12, and they would tend to their medical needs. And he observed mostly men, but these people would come in, and they would get patched up, and many of them would leave, and they had learned their lesson, and they never returned. But there was a classification of these drunks that he distinctly said is different. He, in his mind, believed that there was something about these men that set them apart from the other drunks, that these men were suffering from an illness. And for 7,000 years, it was believed that alcoholism was a case of weak will, laziness, stupidity, uncaring. Ignorance, whatever. These are the things we were told as compulsive overeaters. I, I grew up as a fat kid, and I have heard from the time I was probably three years old that I I need to push myself away from the table, that I need to eat less. I was told that if I cared about my mother, I wouldn't get so fat. And I cared about her, and I got really fat. And I was told if I cared about my father, I wouldn't eat so much and I wouldn't get fat. And I loved my dad, but I ate a lot and I got really fat. And I was told things like girls don't like fat boys, and I wanted a girlfriend later, but I found out they were right about that one. I also said to myself, something that was true, but I couldn't dare say it, that there was something about these people telling me all this that they just didn't understand. They just didn't get why I'm so hungry. I thought I ate because I was hungry. I've been in Overeaters and Animus for 34 years. I came in in 1979 and I've heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and when you meet them and you ask them why they're in LA or how they got to our doors, they will always tell you about their mother their father, their neighbor, their brother, their sister, their, whatever that is, they have some reason that they have attributed to another person or another condition as to why they ate the way they ate. And we're going to find out this morning, and we find out not just this morning, but in reading the doctor's opinion, that none of that is true. That we are compulsive overeaters, if we are, and there are tens of thousands of people in OA That are not. But if we are compulsive overeaters, we are compulsive overeaters because of a condition of mind and body that we'll get into. There is something about my brain that is different from the normal temperate eater. When I was a baby, probably one hour old, probably two hours old at the most. Something in my mind did not feel right, did not feel good. I was scared. I was whatever I was at that time. My brain registered something that said to itself, food makes me feel better. Food does something for me that it does not do for the normal temperate eater. I didn't say two, I said and my brain, in an effort to do its job correctly, locked in in an unnatural way on the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating the food. I ate the food and I felt better for about 10 seconds every single time. But unfortunately, my brain is abnormal to the point where it does not show me or reveal to me the consequences that are sure to follow every single time I take that action of eating. Not lettuce, unless it's on a whopper, not you know certain foods, but milk does and cake and cookies and, and pizza and certain foods would give me what Dr. William Duncan forth, calls, in the doctor's opinion, the effect. And the effect is a sense of ease and comfort that comes over me instantly by eating the food. I eat the food and I trigger the other lethal part of the illness, and that is the physical allergy. And that word allergy just baffled me for a long time in OA. And I came to OA meetings, and people would say to me, you can't eat uh, milk duds because you're allergic to them. And I'd say, wait a minute, I, I'm eating uh, 40 boxes of milk duds a week. I'm not sneezing. I'm not, I don't have watery eyes. I'm not itching. I'm not breaking out in hives or rashes or what have you. And they said, no, 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 that's not what it means. And I said, well, what does it mean? And they couldn't explain it to me. And finally, after a long time of struggling with this word allergy, I went to a source that has never failed me. I went to the dictionary and I looked up the word allergy. And there are several different definitions to the word allergy. And one of them fit me exactly. It says adverse abnormal reaction. Whoa, adverse abnormal reaction to a food, beverage, or substance. Adverse means it's harmful. Abnormal means nine out of ten people react to food the way normal people do is this. They get all the food they want every time they sit down to eat food. But in my body, the more I eat, the more I want. The more I want, the more I eat, and it is just endless. that explained things to me to which I had no explanation throughout any point in my life because I sat there like many of you did that are listening this morning and I looked at people that looked fantastic and felt fantastic and fit into clothes and wore great clothes and looked great and went on dates and went out with girls or went out with boys and they were living a life and the food seemed to be no big deal to them at all. They had the same relationship with food that I have with the gasoline in the tank of my automobile. I have a certain sense that when the needle is closer to the E than the F, I go to the gasoline station, and I fill the car with gasoline, and I drive out, and I feel no emotional relief I do not get the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating pizza when I fill my car's tank with gasoline. They did not understand in looking at me why I ate the food because all they could see was what the food was doing to me. I felt what the food was doing for me and wondered and wondered and cried into the night how they stopped, how they didn't eat it, because I didn't understand that that allergy, which produces that effect, is a psychotic effect that only a compulsive overeater feels. They don't feel what the food does for me. They only see what the food does to me. Another thing that I possess in my brain involuntarily is what's called the mental blank spot. Each and every person listening on this telephone meeting this morning has at one time or another in their very early life touched something that was way, way too hot. Way too hot. I remember putting my hand on a Hanukkah candle as a child and I screamed, oh my God, did I scream. I wanted to touch it, so I did. Oh, my God, did I scream. Now, my brain works normally when it comes to hot and fire and candles and fireplaces and things like pots and pans that are coming in and out of the, or or, excuse me, off the stove. If I gave any one of you $100 to put your hand in a fireplace, you could not make yourself do it because where, where fire is concerned, where hot stoves are concerned, your brain works normally and it will not allow you to harm yourself. Where food is concerned, I have a mental blank spot which will prevent me to see the destruction. It will prevent me to see the, the devastation in my life that comes as the result of eating the food. I did not want to be eating that food, but the mental twist that I was born with would drive me irresistibly into the food because my brain was seeking out the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating the food. The process would go something like this. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm glad. I'm depressed. I have guilt. I have shame. I have fear. I have remorse. I'm going to eat something, whatever it is, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, whatever that might be for you. And then my willpower jumps up and says, no way. And the mental twist says, yes. And my willpower says, no. And my mental twist will wear me down and beat me down and it will focus in on what they did to me and they're not going to tell me what to do. And mentally I'm giving them the finger and I've got my hands on the Doritos in the store running out of the store with Doritos and candy and ice cream and whatever cookies I can grab. And I am now eating and I am giving them the proverbial finger. And one of the things that Dr. Silkworth tells us is we cannot tell the truth from the false because in my mind at that moment, I am never going to eat this way again. Tomorrow I'm going to go on my diet. So I'm going to eat all this today and screw them. Bill Wilson in his story says he went into the bar to make, he went into the cafe to make a call. This is after a period of sobriety, dieting. He's beating on the bar wondering how it happened again. He might as well get good and drunk this time, and he did. And how many times I would be sitting in the car, how many times I would be hiding in the house, how many times did I be eating that food against my will? And when you tell that to the normal eater, they laugh in your face. What do you mean you ate it against your will? But we understand that. We who are compulsive overeaters understand that we meant it. Every single time we said we were not going to eat that way anymore, every single time we went to the gym, every time we rededicated ourselves to the diet, Every single time we made vow after vow after affirmation that we were never going to eat like that again, and we ended up doing it. And it says in the doctor's opinion, we lose confidence. Of course we lose confidence because every single thing we tried failed. Every attempt failed. Every attempt failed. We had a zero on our, on our test. Of course we lose confidence. Now, let's take a look at step one and let's take a look at the illness and let's try to dispel some of these myths. I have a mental twist that will focus in in an unnatural way on the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly from eating certain foods, certain amounts of food. I have a mental blank spot which will prevent me from seeing the certain consequences that the food will will rot into my life like a hurricane. My brain focuses in on what the food will do for me, and it will shield me from what the food will do to me. I never went to Dunkin' Donuts thinking, I bet I could get even fatter. I bet this one pair of pants that still fits could get even tighter. I bet Even though I've broken a lot of furniture, I might be able to break even more furniture. I bet I could fart even more. I bet I could crap and piss in my pants even more and get more embarrassed so that people will yell at me from cars even more or laugh at me in stores even more. I never said those things to myself. What I said to myself is, I'm just going to have one. I'm just going to have one or two, and I'm going to stop. And every single time I said that to myself, that is exactly what I believed because that was the truth at that time in my mind. But Dr. Stilford says we cannot tell the truth from the false. The certainty is I will not stop with one or two. And the reason that I will not stop with one or two, even though that effect, that sense of ease and comfort comes over me instantly, it only lasts about eight seconds, nine seconds. And then the physical allergy is involuntarily tripwired. And that physical allergy means that that craving will set me beyond human aid and I am now off to the races. And again, that explains why the more I want, the more I eat, the more I eat, the more I want. And it's just, it's endless. There's no end to it at all. Now, let's take a look at the first step, and let's take a look at what it says. It says things that there are people sitting in the rooms saying I'm a compulsive overeater. Let's look at what that really means. We admitted we were powerless over food, and our lives had become unmanageable. Now, I have a college degree, and I'm not completely stupid, but I sat in meetings for years, and I read that step as, I was a fat slob, couldn't stay on my diet, and I had no willpower. And that's not what it says. It says we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. I am powerless over food and what that means is I can't eat it because of the physical allergy and I can't keep from eating it because of the mental twist. And if I can't eat it because of the allergy, and I can't keep from eating it because of the mental twist, then let's take a look at some other things very briefly, and then I'll turn the meeting over to sharing or whatever you want me to, but let's take a look briefly at some things here. In our dieting career, and as we watch commercials, read books, thumb-through magazines, whatever that is, we are told a lie over and over and over again the lie that we are told is something that the big book addresses repeatedly and beautifully and what it is is it tells us something that's important no matter how abstinent i've been i once a compulsive overeater always a compulsive overeater and no matter how abstinent i've been i am still in this place where I can't eat because of the allergy, I can't keep from eating because of the of the mental twist. The lie is once you lose the weight, you'll be able to enjoy your favorite foods like pizza and chocolate cake and all this other stuff. Boulder dash. If I am a compulsive overeater, that day will not come. The obsession that somehow someday I'll be able to control and enjoy my drinking must be smashed. I can't control because of the allergy. I can't keep from eating it because of the mental twist. For people like us who are compulsive overeaters, and and I do understand there are thousands of people in OA, some of them are sponsoring, some of them are there, they have thin bodies, they are not compulsive overeaters. And the compulsive overeater is just baffled by the fact that they can't do the things that this other person does, and we'll get to that in a minute, and stay out of the food like the non-compulsive overeater can't. But we'll get to that in a minute. It says in the big book that the elimination of drinking is but a beginning. That if we don't work the steps, we will never recover. Because no matter how much weight I've lost, This is the great fact. There are two ways to temporarily short-circuit the mental twist. There is nothing I can do about the physical allergy. I was born with the physical allergy, the craving. I will die with the physical allergy, the craving. Now, what if I could find a way to live where my mind does not focus in on the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating the food? What if I could find a way to live where I already feel better? What if I could find a way to live where I could marshal the power of God into my life in such a way so as to get down to causes and conditions that have been firing up the machinery of that mental twist Since the day I was born, that process of bringing God into our lives, that process.
2: Harlan, star one to unmute. Harlan, we've lost you. Can you press star one again, please? Sure. Thank you, good morning. We can hear you now. Oops, try again one more time, please. Star one. We may have lost
0: heart on all together here. Am I there? You're there, yes, you can go okay. ahead. Thank so you. What Thank if you.
1: I could find a way to temporarily short-circuit the mental twist. And the process of that action, of the steps, of marshalling that power of God into my life is called recovery. And that's what this is all about, Charlie Brown. There are two ways to short-circuit the mental twist temporarily. The first way is a way that we've been practiced all of our life and that is eat the food. When we eat the food, we temporarily short-circuit the mental twist. The other way is to work the steps because what we're told over and over in the book, and especially eloquently on page 23, is that the main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in the body. And in finding this spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, I will temporarily short-circuit the mental twist to the point where I have 14 years of current abstinence from compulsive overeating, and that is not the miracle of OA. And yes, I've lost 500 pounds and so on. The miracle of OA is that in doing this work, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat milk does. I don't want to eat pizza, except donuts, whatever that is. I don't want that. There are many, many people in OA that are dieting with group support and they wonder continuously why they keep going back into the food. They're not working the steps. And I have to work the steps I have to have a God that I do believe in by laying down a job description of a God that I do want to turn my will, which is my decision-making power, thinking, and my life over to his care and direction. Now, going to three meetings a week, weighing and measuring and calling in my food and making three outreach calls a day is not going to short circuit the mental twist. That is not working the steps. That is dieting with group support. And we see person after person who is non-compulsive overeater coming in with a thin body and they look great and they talk great and they 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 speak great and we want what they have and we ask them to sponsor us and it's the blind leading the blind in too many cases. And what works for them will not work for us. The true compulsive overeater must work the steps to short-circuit the mental twist. We have to eliminate the food and work the steps. I have to put down the food, and I have to work the steps. And in the working of the steps, I will not want the food and I can enjoy a fuller living experience. I already feel better, so my brain does not see the need. I will get everything that the food does for me in the working of the steps, the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly from working the steps, with none of the devastating side effects of the allergy and what the food does to me will not take effect. You can't see our allergy. You can only feel it, and only a compulsive overeater feels it. That's why they, the normal eaters, Nancy normal, Ned normal, they look at us and they say, why are you eating pie? Look at you. That's because they're looking at us, and they see what the food is doing to us. They wonder why we're eating it. We feel what the food is doing for us and wondered what ocean of willpower have they tapped into where they can stop after a half a sandwich or a half a piece of pie. Because that feeling of that sense of ease and comfort that Dr. Soforth calls the effect is so elusive that many will pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. That is basically as complete an explanation of step 1 as I know how to give but what I will do is wish anybody you know well you can you're free to call me you're free to contact me at any time uh, my phone number is 480 495 8961 that phone number again is 480 495 8961 and my email address is harlan h a r l a n two eight eight at gmail dot com email again is harlan h a r l a n two eight eight at gmail dot com well that's all i got leah
0: <laughs> thank you very much harlan very very much for your clear and thorough explanation <sighs> of our of our grave illness um we have over 170 people on the line, and perhaps wow. there are some questions that uh, people have on their minds. Can we spend some time in a in a question and answer period? You I have some time. Sir. Okay, excellent. Sir. Thank you so much. Okay, now uh, star one to unmute. If you have a question, please for Harlan this morning. Who's up first? Then? Susan, go ahead. Thank you
3: so much. Thank you so much, Harlan. Last time was amazing, and this time as well. Um, a quick question. I'm very clear for myself, and you've made it clear for many of us, that we have certain foods that that provoke this uh, allergy in we who have this thing. Um, what I unclear about and i wanted your thoughts on it are that i find i can get ease and comfort from any food so many foods thankfully do not spark that allergy so i don't feel i don't feel the need to just keep endlessly eating cucumbers but i find when i eat a cucumber i feel soothed and ditto for anything else on my food plan and it's i'm just specifying cucumbers i don't mean that cucumbers have any specific value but you know any food that, that's my that's, as Leah says, those of us who have this thing have a relationship with food. Well, that's my relationship with food, even today when I don't eat any of my binge foods. And I'm just curious about that because people will often say, oh, well, Brussels sprouts, I never, you know, got that feeling from Brussels sprouts. I get it from all
1: foods. I find they relax me,
3: soothe me, etc. I just wondered if you had any thoughts on
1: that. Thanks. I can binge on Brussels sprouts, no problem. If there's nothing else, I'll take Brussels sprouts and I'll binge on them. Absolutely. It's, certain foods and certain amounts of food absolutely i agree and and it's that unnatural relationship with food that sets us apart from the norm thank,
0: you. thank you that brussels Did sprout always that go ahead uh,
2: Georgia. can i speak mm-hmm. hello uh
0: hello? We hear you, Harlan. A, okay. a person... Star 1 to unmute to direct your question to Harlan, please.
2: Anyone else with a question
0: for Harlan this morning? Star 1 to unmute. Rita, compulsive Over-Eater, food Addison. This
2: is Valerie from Georgia, Harlan, I would like... To- Ask if you're, what time zone you're in, please, and
1: when
4: it's good to call.
1: You, I, 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 I'm reticent to tell time zone because then you'll start thinking about when not to call. I'm available 24-7. If I can't jump on the phone, the voicemail will get your message, and I will call you back. Uh, but just for, for the sake of being This so is
0: Valerie
5: from Georgia. Can someone hear
1: me?
0: Yes, we can hear you. One yes. moment, please. One moment, please. We'll get to you in a moment. Thank you. Go ahead, Harlan.
1: I live in Arizona. In the summertime we're on Pacific time and in the winter we're on mountain time.
6: Okay, thank you. I don't have internet.
0: Okay, thank you. Valerie, go ahead, please, with your question. Star one to unmute. We're getting an opportunity to practice patience with technology this morning. Yes. Valerie. Please go ahead with your question.
2: Valerie, we do not hear you. You'll need to press
0: star 1 to unmute.
2: This is Valeria. Thank you. um I'm struggling, oh my god
5: i I'm, I'm desperate. I'm almost three hundred pounds. I'm work, trying to work the program. I'm calling three people I'm, I'm getting onto a meeting every day, and it's not working for me and um I was told that i I was told that I can't work this step unless I get ninety days, but it's hard for me to get ninety days. So
1: I mean anybody that tells you that you can't work the steps for 90 days is probably trying to kill you. You can work the steps uh, day one, day two, whatever it is. Forget that meeting, forget that meeting and you got to go if you can't find OA where you live, go to open AA meetings, do what you need to do. If you could stay out of the food for 90 days, you wouldn't need OA. Get yourself to a place where they will help you. That is nourish kite. The Yiddish word of the day, nourish kite. That's nonsense. Anybody that tells you you can't work the steps for 90 days is trying to kill you.
2: So can you help me?
1: I'll do anything I can for you, Valerie. There's no question that I'll do anything I can for you. And and you can call me every day and twice on Sunday. That's not a problem, but it would be behoove you. It would be better for you to get someone in your area to sit down with you and go through the big book. These guys, ninety days. I don't. That's part of the insanity of the fellowship. There is nothing in this big book that says ninety days has to. That, that is nonsense. Anybody listening to this, if somebody tells you that, that is nonsense. They're, they're, it's the blind leading the blind. They probably don't know any better themselves. And it's nonsense. Get to a place where somebody can help you. You call me any day you want, and I'll do anything I can for you, but let's get out of that group that's telling you that. Get, away, get as far away from them as you can.
5: Okay.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Valerie, for the question.
0: Anyone else this morning? Star one to unmute to direct a question to Harlan.
2: I have a question, Harlan.
6: Steve Command to you. Go ahead. Harlan, ninety days. What about people who say that you have gotta put down the food in
1: order to even uh do step two at all? I don't have the power. I need the power. Uh
6: I if can't just got put a down
1: Steve, if you've got a day or two of abstinence, you're good to go. Uh, it, it's hard to get through to a, an addled brain, but put down the food for a day or two, and if you, and and we'll get you through that, and then you're ready to go. Let you know. Let's get started with the doctor's opinion. Let's get started yeah. with, with with the rest of it. You know, there's nothing uh, yeah. in here. There's nothing in here as devastating as when people are coming into OA. And they're hearing this nonsense. Nonsense. None of it is verifiable in the big book. Work a step a year and all that. What kind of nonsense is that? Where I don't even know where that comes from. Steve, get a couple of days and we're good to go here.
2: That makes sense. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you, Steve. Um, Harlan, perhaps you can expound on that. That's a question that often comes up here on A Vision for You is once people put the food down, once they separate from their trigger foods, their binge foods, I often like to say it's like holding your breath underwater. You know, the the most dangerous element of our disease uh, is alive and well, and of course, that's the obsession of the mind. While people are implementing these steps, what do you suggest that they can do to help those times that are so challenging. Uh, they, they haven't Wilson, had a spiritual awakening yet, and they're, they've separated from their food. What worked for you? Can you share
1: on that for a bit? Bill Wilson tells us that when all other measures fail, work with another alcoholic will save the day. I have to throw myself into service. I have to go to the meeting early. I have to stay at the meeting late. I have to make outreach calls. I have to get out of poor Harlan. And I have to work with other people, even though I'm at the very beginning stages. You may be listening to this phone call, and you're asking yourself, but I'm not even abstinent yet. How am I going to work with other people? You can. You can, and you will, hopefully. Here's what you can do. You can go to a meeting And stick your hand out and say, hi, I'm whoever you are. It's good to be here. I'm glad you were here. I'm glad to be here. Whatever that is, do you need help bringing something out? Do you need help putting something away? Does anybody need a ride? Does anybody need something? I'm here to help. I'm here to do whatever. There are ways to get out of yourself. Bill Wilson will leave nothing to the imagination. He says expressly. When all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. When Bill Wilson was in Akron, Ohio, he went into the Mayflower Hotel and he knew that it was either go to the bar and drink or not drink and he went to the phone and he called people that might be able to put him in touch with another alcoholic. So taking Bill Wilson as the example, and he's a good one, taking Bill Wilson as the example, we look at him and say, if he can do that, I can do that. I can do that. Get out of yourself. Thank you, Harlan.
0: Star 1 to unmute to ask questions this morning. Who's next? Yes, this is Eileen. Eileen, go ahead. Hi, uh, Hi, thank you very much, Harlan. That was great. And uh, Leah, uh, you're, you're definitely an inspiration to me, and I work as a substance abuse counselor. But my question is this. I, I came in in 1986 at only 125 pounds. What brought me in was a mental obsession. I could not stop eating. The signs had of the disease hadn't shown up. ON ME YET, PHYSICALLY. Uh, I ATE MY WAY UP TO 215 POUNDS. Mm. AND MY QUESTION IS, WHY DO YOU THINK IT TAKES SOME OF US? IT TOOK ME, WHEN I, was, I CAME IN AT 24, I GOT IT in 42, AT 42. Mm. IT TOOK ME 18 YEARS, till 2004, to finally be willing to surrender the sugar and flour. It had that much power over me. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take on that?
1: The ego must try every wrong answer repeatedly before it will succumb to the right answer. The ego will continue to separate me from the norm, from the group, rather. Ego is conscious separation. I know that there's people out there saying, ego, ease got out. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Ego could put me in a group of people, and right away, immediately, I will see how I'm different. God, in the working of the steps, will humble me, not humiliate, humble me so that I can be one of many. I love being another bozo on the bus. But it takes what it takes for the ego to finally surrender. Right. And the ego will continue to tell us why we're different. Every compulsive overeater who dies in the food goes to God with one song on their lips. You don't understand. My case is different. Somehow I'm different. Somehow I'm not the same. And the ego will not allow the right answer in until every wrong answer has been investigated, explored, reinvestigated, re-explored, re-attempted, attempted again, attempted again, and then finally when you're crying into the night and you want to kill yourself and you don't have the guts, so you're going to go out death by Dorito. You're just going to eat yourself to death and whoever doesn't like it can kiss your Royal American and you've given up. And that ember in the back of your brain that still wants to live reasserts itself and God whispers on the ember and it bursts into flames and you are suddenly ready.
0: Thank you, Harlan. Thank you, Eileen, for the question. May I ask a question? This is Pauline. Pauline, Pauline. good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Um,
7: I have tried several times and, um, and failed what I found, that I had a relatively easy time to put the food down, but when my resentment and fears pop up, I've turned to alcohol. Mm. and um, thus breaking my abstinence. But uh, mm-hmm. the food is not a problem any longer. Mm-hmm. I gave that up, and I uh, figured a drink or two would sort of give me that, you know, the sedate that I needed to get to get through those rough times. Mm-hmm. Of course, I know that's not the answer, but like you said, Harlan, you're going to try every wrong answer, <laughs> and, and you just opened my eyes to that right now. But I'm not doing the steps. I'm attending meetings and, and trying
1: to... You're you dieting know. with group support.
7: And, yeah, yeah. But um, how to do the steps, may I do them by myself? Probably may not.
1: Why would you want them? to? Why well, would you they, want to do them by yourself?
7: Only because I don't know where to go. I, that's why I'm... Where I'm do you live? Florida. What part? Largo.
1: Largo. Go online, look up Overeaters Anonymous in Largo. I don't know what, I'm assuming Largo is a small town. If there's no strong OA there, go to open AA meetings and ask somebody, do you work strictly out of the big book? And if they say no, I use the 12 and 12 and I use this, find the next person. What would you do in Largo, Florida, if your favorite pizza parlor closed down? Would you stop eating pizza or would you go somewhere else? You have to seek the recovery You have to seek the recovery with the same energy that you looked, you sought the illness.
7: Probe- the problem be, is when you when yeah. you start to look, you don't understand what you
1: need to look for. Here's what I you get- need to look for. I'll lay it out for you simple. You need to look for somebody that is working out of the big book that can help you have a spiritual awakening as the result of working the steps in the big book, not the OA nonsense, not the 12 and 12, not any of that stuff, but in the big book, that you will have a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps so that you will not want the food. There are people in the AA meetings, there are people in open AA meetings that you, are, you can go to, and you may be alcoholic from what you've described. You may be able to go to closed meetings. I don't know. I don't know your pathology. But let's just assume for the sake of the many that you're not an alcoholic. Go to the open AA meetings, And seek that person as if your life depended on it, because it does. That's what I would do. And if that is not working, look for something else. Look for someone else. If you really want it, you'll find it. And I know this, Pauline, you walk to God, he'll run to you. He'll run to you. Read the last paragraphs of Dr. Bob's story on page 182 when we're done here and that'll make it very clear for you. Go to page 182 in the fourth edition, read the end of Dr. Bob's story and I think that'll answer your question for you.
0: Thank you, Pauline, for the question. Who's next up? (laughs) Marjorie. This is Nancy. Marjorie and then Nancy, please. Go ahead, Marjorie. Good morning. This is Marjorie. My question is, focused on the mental twist or the mental blank spot. At times when I'm listening to recovered compulsive overeaters discussing the chapter, There is a Solution, and speaking about that strange mental twist that precedes the first compulsive bite, mm-hmm. I sometimes get the impression, and it, and it very well could be my not listening carefully, but i sometimes get the impression that that mental twist is a failure of reasoning power or a really dramatic kind of
1: um mental or emotional disturbance but it doesn't matter really what we call kind. It. Okay. it doesn't matter what we call it we were born with it if you are a compulsive old reader and i don't know if i have i'll talk about me I have the strange mental twist. I don't care if you call it crocodile, asteroid, moon, or dog food. What it does is it effectively, incessantly, constantly, and destructively drives me into the food. Whatever I want to call it doesn't matter. The mental twist that precedes the first bite is going to kill me. There's nothing I can do about the physical allergy. I was born with it and I'll die with it. And by the way, the page number I gave was wrong. It's page 181 if Pauline is still on the phone here. Anyway, um, the mental twist could be called anything. I don't care what it's called. Here's what I need to know. I didn't cause it. I can't cure it and I can't control it. And there are a lot of people out there that they want to figure out the pathology. They're going to spend, let's figure this out so we can just cure it. Good luck. Good luck. How many people have spent their lives trying to figure out? Now, if we just think this or we just do that, just do the steps. All I have to do is the steps every day, and I don't want the food. Who cares what it's called? And that's that's the bottom line for me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Marjorie. Okay, how about Nancy, please?
8: This is Nancy. Did you call on me, Leah? I was unmuting. Yes, go ahead, Nancy. Okay, Thank you, and thank you, Harlan. Um, this question was touched on earlier, and um, I just wanted to ask if you might expand on it just a little bit, because the, um, at least for me, um, I just want to be clear on what you're Uh, opinion was on this, and that was when um, it was asked about putting the food down before you start working the steps. And Mm -hmm. in my study of the big book and the doctor's opinion and and throughout, actually, it's become very clear to me that we're instructed we must put the food down before we um, can start working on the steps. One instance that I can think of right off the bat is in the doctor's opinion where it says, of course, a man's brain ought to be cleared about Mm -hmm. our... I'm I'm not quoting it verbatim, but you know where I'm talking about. And so, okay, and there's other places where it indicates that we must put, you know, we've got to put the food down. And a good example is you're not going to try to take someone through steps who is drunk. And um, so you said something about... I don't remember the gentleman's name that asked the question. I think maybe Steve, but, you know, get a day or two and we're good to go. And we get, you know, a lot of people who call me uh, about sponsorship and stuff are confused about that. They say, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't, how can I work through the steps abstinently when the miracle doesn't happen until later? and And so, I mean, I have a response that I give to that. I guess I just want to be clear. Are you saying that, You agree with that. We must put the food down before we can start working the steps.
1: I really do. I don't think I can work the steps while I'm eating milk duds. I'm not going to have a spiritual awakening because nothing I say is true. I'm drunk. And even though I don't realize I'm drunk, when I'm eating milk duds or I'm eating Butterfinger bars, I'm not feeling anything. How am I going to get in touch with fear and resentment? How am I gonna get in touch with selfishness, self-seeking, and dishonesty? How am I gonna get in touch with the emotions that I'm feeling when I'm not feeling them? Remember that there's two ways to temporarily state the mental twist. Eat the food, work the steps. So when I'm eating the food, I'm under the gun of the allergy, and when I'm eating the food, I'm not feeling anything and that's what drives us into the food is when we're not eating we feel terrible and everybody said don't eat so much you'll feel better they were right when i'm not eating i feel anger better i feel fear better i feel all these various things better and that's what drives me back to the food is these feelings but what if i could find a way nancy to live where i don't have these horrible feelings and that's called recovery and it's only through the working of the steps or the eating of the food that will shape the mental twist. The eating of the steps have devastating side effects and it will rot into my life what the food does to me and the steps will not bring about any deadly consequences and there's your difference right there. But I must have some clarity before I go Day or two, good to go. And when, when we start walking to God, he'll run to me. He'll run to us. The miracles start happening right away.
0: Thank you, Nancy, for the important question and Harlan for the important reinforcement. Uh with your answer. Thank you. Who's next? Our one to unmute. Hi, my name is Beth Joy. Go right ahead.
9: Thank you. Um, thank you for your service. And thank you, Harlan, so much. Um, my name is Beth Joy. Harlan, I wanted to ask you, I guess it's similar to the 90-day answer, The the idea of these programs where you do the first three steps in sort of like three days, whether you're abstinent or not, if you get my meaning, and then you start your fourth step. And you do that in two weeks with a deadline. And it doesn't matter whether you're abstinent or not, because by working the steps, the psychic change will come, and then you'll get abstinence, which is what I've been told and what I've failed at, what I have failed at and failed at and failed at, and failed at several times now. I'm not able to do it that way.
6: Okay, and I don't. don't... Think...
9: Right. <laughs> And hearing your explanation makes me think it's not certainly not the right way for me.
1: Or me. No. Me eating milk does is the same as somebody else drinking a six-pack of beer. So how am I going to work the steps when I'm drunk? Nothing I say is the truth. The first victim of compulsive overeating is the truth. The first thing to go out the window is honesty. Then you're going to ask me to work a program of honesty. You're going to ask me to get in touch with my resentments, my fears, sexual harms done others. You're going to ask me to get in touch with causes and conditions, and I'm stoned. I'm drunk. I don't. I don't understand how that works. If somebody works it that way and it's successful for them, God bless them. I, I don't understand that program. I have to have a couple of days of clarity and then move forward.
9: Right. I uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I agree. Thank you for your help.
2: Thank
0: you for the question. Hi, this is Iris. Can I share? Iris, please go ahead and speak up a little bit if you could. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Thank you, Harlan. Um, The question I have is that I I did get somebody who worked the big book, uh, it's a format in San Diego. The format doesn't matter. But um, she's taking me through, and she has canceled on me three times. And she seems Find really someone busy.
1: else. Yeah, well, that's what I'm else. struggling with. I got all if the material. If somebody is too busy for this, yeah. they're doomed. This is the number one thing in my life without exception. It comes before anything. On okay. page 77, at the top of the page. 77, Mm -hmm. our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Mm. And if she's canceled on you, that means that her recovery has taken, or his recovery, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, I shouldn't assume, Mm -hmm. Uh, their recovery, that's better, is not a priority to them, find someone else. If you kept going to your favorite donut store and it was closed, you'd find somewhere else to get donuts.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. I've been tortured by this for the last week. Um, Nobody should be so. tortured by this. You can change sponsors at will, and you can work with more than one at any given time. But if the person that's supposed to be helping you is mm-hmm. not taking this as a priority, find someone else. This is mm-hmm. the number one thing in my life without exception.
0: Thank you. Yes, that
2: makes sense. Okay.
1: Thank you, Iris. And if you if you need, I'm coming to San Diego to do a big book thing in August, so I hope to meet you there.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank you. Who's next?
0: Our one-ton mute. Mindy. Hi. Lindsay, go ahead. Hi. Hi, it's Linda from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. May I share or ask a question rather? Please ask a question, sure. Thank you so much, Harlan. That was fabulous. Um, you referenced um, the importance of finding a higher power that's right for you. Is it, if it's appropriate, can you discuss that a bit?
1: There are people out there that make a. Uh, we're not supposed to discuss step two, but I'll, since you asked me. There are people out there that read the words in the big book that says God as you understand God, and in their mind, from talking to them over the decades I've been here, they are believing that it means whatever religion you are is fine. And that is true. However, there are people out there that are trying to drag the hippopotamus out through the dog door. In other words, they have a God that does not work for them and they are still trying to make a God that does not work for them, that they do not believe in, and they're going to recover with that God? Why? I sit down regularly, and I describe my higher power. Now, I was married for 17 and a half years, three years ago. My then wife said, look, I'm, I want a divorce. I've fallen in love with somebody at the office and I want a divorce, my God changed, my life changed. And then as I get older, things change, and I have different job descriptions for God. Why in the world do we as a group and as individuals want to drag a God in from childhood that we do not believe in? So when we're sitting there and our hair is standing on end because the, the, we're talking about God, they, the reason they don't talk about God in OA, unless you're near the scale, people get on the scale and go, oh, God. But they don't talk about God at System. They don't talk about God at the gym. They don't talk about God at the pay and Way place. We talk about it here because it's only through a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps that I'm going to have any recovery in my life. And so one of the requisites, as we see illustrated beautifully in Bill's story, in Bill's story is he struggles with this idea of God. Bill is struggling when Ebbie introduces this idea of God. And then all of a sudden, after they're talking and they're talking, Bill says to him on page 11, or says on page 11, but my friend sat before me and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat, and he had an effect been raised from the dead, Suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. This power originated in him. Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that moment, and that was none at all. It was at that moment that Bill Wilson stopped looking at starving kids in Africa and wars and holocausts and pogroms and injustices and all this stuff, and he said, Wait a minute. Here's a guy who I know is a drunk and he's not drinking and he's doing so happily. I don't know why there's wars. I don't know why there's starving kids. I don't know why there's bad kids. I have no idea. But what I do know is that the people that work these steps are emancipated from a hopeless condition of mind and body. And they are not eating happily. That's enough for me. I need to describe that God, not have a God that I don't believe in. What is our will in our life? Our will is our decision-making, thinking, and our life is our action. Why would I turn that over to somebody I don't trust? Makes no sense to me. Okay, that's, that's enough of an answer for that one. But that happens to be one of the most misunderstood concepts in L.A is this idea of what is step two. And where you see people failing and where you see people not making amends and you see people not putting things down on their fourth step and they eventually go back to the food, they're not having a problem with step four or step nine. They're having a problem with step two because they don't want to turn their will and life over to a God they don't trust. I don't blame them but nobody's teaching them how to redefine that god because in too many cases it's the blind leading the blind i'm shutting up on that one that's not, you got me going on that one linda sorry
10: thank you linda hi i'm, hi, I'm alexandra can i ask a question
0: yes sure. go ahead alexandra
10: Thank you. Uh, hi. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for speaking. It's been wonderful to hear you. I guess my question is um, in terms of prayer and meditation, how do you cultivate a relationship with a higher power in your own program? And can you make any suggestions to us?
1: Steps 10, 11, and 12 every day. Step 10 a million times if I need to. Step 11 in the morning. Step 11 at night. And it gives me on page 86, 87, 88, all the instruction I need. And I absolutely utilize prayer all through the day, the 10-step prayer I will not mind be done. Every single day I must say that prayer to myself a million times. And I utilize these steps all the time. Somewhere along the line in the fellowship, we got this idea that steps 10 and 11 are done in the morning and at night. And during the day, we're harboring fear, we're harboring resentment, selfishness, self-seeking and dishonesty. And as we harbor these things, we are now dieting with group support. Is it a wonder that so many of us are dying? Is it a wonder that by not utilizing step 10 as often as I need to, what's the prescription for step 10 on page 84 and 85? Use as needed. You can utilize it as many times as you want. And there's prayer in there. And there's getting out of yourself in there. And there's the ninth step is in there. Make amends. That's how I utilize it a million times. And I'm not one of these crazy people that I may be crazy, but I don't walk down the street, you know, talking to God out loud. But I feel him with me all the time. And that takes takes a lot of work. And that takes years and years of cultivating that. That when they talk about that conscious contact with a higher power, that takes work. This is not a program for people who need it. It is not a program for people who want it. This is a program for people who do it. And part of that action is to pray and work those steps every day.
0: Thank you. Hi, this is Esther Masherr. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Alexandra. Esther, please ask a question.
6: Yes. Hi. Good morning. This is Esther from Philadelphia. Harlan, thank you so much. I am getting so much. This is like education, like beyond my wildest imagination. My question is that um, I'm looking for a food sponsor and I'm looking for a step sponsor. So I called someone, I put myself out there on a Vision for You hotline, mm-hmm. and the woman right, says to me, um, you know, first she asked me what my food plan is and what my, um, you know, my background is and all that, and is that the right way? Did I do the right thing? Um, what am I, I ask I, so, for?
1: It sounds, it sounds to me like a lot of nourish kites. Narishkite is foolishness. It sounds to me like a lot of completely wasted effort. Food sponsor and step sponsor. Once you get beyond the f- first little bit here, um, I, you know, whatever with the food. I don't know. That's that's another mishap here. But anyway, I was just there. I did a big book study in uh, South Jersey just uh, oh. a month ago, two months ago. I was just there in Philadelphia. There are some people working very solid programs there. Start working the steps, Esther. Get somebody to start you working the steps. If you need the services of a nutritionist or you need the services of somebody for food, that's fine. We utilize doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, priests, ministers, rabbis. Whatever it is you need, go utilize it. But the program is in working the steps. And in a fuller living experience that the steps will bring you to, all this stuff will clear up. But you, you, there's a, there is recovery there in that South Jersey and Philadelphia area. Uh, and okay. there's some that are not, but that's like anywhere. But I hope that answers it. You, you're you're, you're kind of looking for something there. Start by starting. Put down the food. Get to an open AA meeting get to an OA meeting where there is somebody that is working the steps. I know for a fact that some of them in South Jersey, which is not far from you, maybe maybe it is, I don't know, like Mount Holly, uh, um, Cherry Hill, that area there, they're getting some good big book books. Um, and they will help you. If they can't or if that's too far away, Find it where you are. Can't get it in an OA, go to open or excuse me, can't get it in an OA, go to open AA meetings and say, I'm dying here. Can you help me?
0: Thank you. Uh Harlan, just one question related to Hi. uh I'm, one minute please. I just I hey, thought could develop something for a second, please. You know, uh, when a a newcomer comes in and needs to separate from their, the foods that create an allergic reaction, obviously the uh, topic that's brought up in the doctor's opinion, how do you suggest going about guiding the newcomer in...
2: Guiding the newcomer what? Hello.
0: Uh, separated from them so that they are available to begin the step work. You know, is well, there any, go ahead, please.
1: That really is going to just take hitting that bottom. And it's going to take, it may take talking to me, it may take, you know, lots of calls, but you are going to have to nurse through those first couple of days. By hitting bottom, as far as I'm concerned, is where the fear of more eating outweighs the fear that somebody's going to come take away your food. At some point, I have to surrender and say, I can't live like this anymore. And it is going to be hard the first few days. There's no question that it's going to be hard. If it was easy, this wouldn't be a 12-step program. It'd be a one-step program. It would, we'd have a sign in the window that says, need OA, go home, don't eat. It, it is going to be hard. There's no question that it's going to be tough, but it's got to be done. And if we're going to work the steps, then it's only going to have to be done once. It doesn't have to be done a million times. And that is, is going to be tough. There's no question that, that putting down the food is tough. But eating the food is tougher. Eating the food is tougher. I wish I had some easy answer. I wish I had some easy answer as to how to separate. I don't. It's only the intense pain that my life is in that I'm screaming into the night that will allow me to put that food down. Leah, I wish I had a better answer. I don't. Yes, I,
0: I um Well, thank you for that. I just, um, you know, a lot of people went... Well, when the alcoholic crawls his way into Alcoholics Anonymous, he knows what he is allergic to. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. obvious. There's one ingredient, and that's alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here on the line, on a vision for you where we may have up to 250 people in the morning, Um, you know, the identification of those substances is more complicated and more involved for the compulsive overeater. First of all, the allergy of the body, some of them haven't been taught that concept at all in Overeaters Anonymous. They've never read or studied the doctor's opinion. So a lot of times sponsors are needing to work with newcomers on on identifying those substances that do create that trigger, that phenomenon Mm of craving so uh that's kind of what i was asking was you know in your work with newcomers is there any guidance as to what those substances are identifying what those substances are so that the newcomer knows what to separate from in order to be available
1: for the steps thanks if your if your great grandmother didn't eat it don't put it in your mouth no processed foods no sugar No white flour. I know your grandmother could eat sugar and white flour. But other than that, if your grandmother couldn't eat it, don't put it in your mouth. Eat foods that are as close to their natural form as is possible, and that's what I tell them.
0: Okay, thank you. I appreciate the feedback on that one. It gets asked a lot on the line. Who's next, please? Hi,
10: this is Lauren. Lauren, go ahead. Thank you, uh, Harlan. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I appreciate you of other talks, too, and uh, it's just really uh, inspirational to hear someone speak about this like it is a life or death matter because mm-hmm. there's really no other way that, that I find inspiration from unless I hear it in that way. But I wanted to ask, um, I'm really grateful because I do have – a very strong sponsor working me through the steps uh, laid out in the big book, and it's just been, like, changing. But uh, my sponsor, like me, is also a true compulsive overeater. And before I found her, I found a really hard time finding somebody in Overeaters Anonymous who was working through the steps or had even been through all the 12 steps. And I don't identify as an alcoholic but um, I attend an open AA meeting just to see the message laid out. And I don't, um, you know, share about alcohol or or that craving because I don't have that. Um, I don't drink alcohol, but I was just wondering if someone's struggling with compulsive overeating but they're having trouble finding a sponsor who's um, a compulsive overeater. What would be your opinion about finding one who works the program laid out in Alcoholics Anonymous?
2: Go um, for it.
10: Okay.
1: Go for it. you got to do what you got to do to save your life. And uh, there are people that are probably on this phone right now that are living in places where OA either doesn't exist or it's extremely weak.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would, you know, you, you've got to do what you've got to do. And I'm not an alcoholic either. But I lived in Eugene, Oregon for nine years. There's no OA there. It doesn't there's doesn't exist. So I had to go to open AA meetings. There was no choice. Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta do what I've gotta to do to survive. I'd rather go to AA than die in the food. Yeah.
10: Yeah, thank you. That I mean it's yeah, thank you. It's very simple. Um thanks. Appreciate it. No problem.
0: Thank you. I believe I heard Mindy. Mindy, do you have a question this morning? Valeria from Georgia, may may I ask another question? Valeria, one moment, please. Let me see if we can get Mindy. Mindy, go ahead, and then Valeria.
6: Okay, thank you. Hi, Holland. Thank you so much for this morning. I just wanted to ask a quick
4: question. I'm not familiar. You said uh, you can have more than one sponsor.
6: Mm -hmm.
2: If
4: you're working in your local neighborhood and you've been working with a sponsor, maybe you feel you need more or something different. Uh, I never did that. I'm not sure what that would look like. How do I do that?
1: I have no idea because I've never done it either. Um, I know (laughs) that there are people that do. I am not one of them. I I don't see the need, and so it's not anything I've ever experienced. So I, I wish I had more insight into it. Mindy, I don't. Okay, but Thank there you. are people who do, and God bless them, whatever you know i I don't know i, I don't find, I don't see the need. I think that uh, if there's anything I've learned about me, it's that I will take a two-car parade and overcomplicate it because my my ego uh my excuse me, my level of misunderstanding is equal to what my ego does not want me to see. And if I have two sponsors, that is worse for me than one. One is better than two. Because if one sponsor likes green and one sponsor likes red, I'll go home and eat a cake because they don't seem to agree. Well, I don't want to put myself in that position.
0: Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. We hear you, Harlan. Thank you, Mindy. And now, Val- Valeria. Oh. One moment, please. Valeria had a question. Valeria,
5: right, one ton- yes. Go ahead. A I question, asked my please. question, but they I have miss her. Okay. This is Valeria. I was saying that I, I, I think. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Now. Yes. Uh, okay, I I have been to the AA meetings, and I feel so uncomfortable because I'm too embarrassed to tell them what my addiction is because they're not so receptive, you know what I'm saying, to uh, a food addict. You know, they they want me to be a they want me to be an alcoholic, and, 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 you know, and so I don't think they take me as serious. I'm saying even in the open
1: AA meetings, I'm saying would they be willing to work with me because it's you not know They will be willing to work with you, Valeria. Try not to think so much. This is life and death. It says we must seek this with the desperation of a drowning man. I've been underwater a little too long. I wasn't worried about what anybody was thinking. I wanted my next breath of air. That's where I have to be. I can't worry about what they're thinking. I'm dying. I'm dying in the food. I have to do whatever I have to do to work these steps. If I've got nowhere to go, you better believe I'm going back to AA. So I don't think about what they're thinking. That's nonsense to me. I have to do what I have to do. I need help. Thank you,
2: Valeria. Does Valeria want to leave her number, Leah?
0: that okay to ask? She certainly can. She'd like to. Um,
2: this is Valeria
5: of 770-899-9835. I'm Eastern, Try Me any 770-899-9835. Thank you.
0: Thank, Thank you, 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 you very much. Anyone no, else with a question is this morning?
8: This uh, this is
0: Nancy, Nancy, go ahead with your question,
8: please. Uh, thank you, um, and thank you again, Harlan. I just wanted to um, – this is a question has been asked a couple of times about, you know, the struggle with finding a sponsor, especially when you live in an area – Um, where there's um, little or no OA, and I happen to be in one of those areas. The closest OA meeting to me is two hours away. Um, I'm also um, a recovered alcoholic for 12 years and very active in AA. I have to say, with my experience, my sponsor... Um, and I've had a couple of different ones in the 12 years I've been sober, did not understand my food addiction. However, they can take you through the steps. But what I found more helpful for me was there are so many people um, now on the phone meetings. Um, I mean, on a vision for you the other day, we had over 240 people on the call, Um, many, many recovered people. And so what I found beneficial for me was to find a sponsor um, in OA on the phone. And um, I have... Uh, been blessed to find a recovered compostable reader to work me through the steps and we did it over the phone and I had that experience I had the miracle mm-hmm. happen for me and I just wondered if you could expand on that a little bit have you ever worked with people over the phone? Yeah or? I work
1: with them I work with them all the time right. I get up I get up very early in the morning and it's
8: very frequent that I will work with people
1: over the phone at, at, as early as like 5, 5.30 in the morning here I will do whatever it takes my thinking is yes you can recover that way, no question that you can. And, and I've worked with people remotely. What I said to Valeria is what I believe. Yes, if you cannot find it there, we will help you over the phone, that's our job. My real purpose is to fit myself to, to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. It would behoove somebody, if possible, To find someone that can see them, that can sit with them, that can do whatever that's there. If that's impossible to find, absolutely do not turn to the wall and die. We will do this over the phone. With internet, with phone, with God knows what, absolutely. Is it would be my first choice? No. Beats dying. Beats dying, beats eating, beats breaking furniture, beats splitting your pants. I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. Yes. Valeria, if you're still on the phone and you just can't find it there, we will help you. Thank you. Hi,
10: Next question.
0: I ask a question? Yes. Go ahead, Suri. Yes, hi. Good morning. This is Servi speaking. Um, Thank you so much, Harlan, for your share. Um, I just do have a little question that I'm trying to um, understand here, that you were saying that you basically only need a sponsor to work the steps. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, what has worked in the past and what is working now is that I have a sponsor that takes me through the steps and also is my food sponsor. Without Mm -hmm. putting my food down and without me committing my food every day and weighing and measuring it, Mm -hmm. I would be right back into the food. So, okay. I, I'm trying to understand that like, what, what it sounds like you said that step, working the steps alone is enough.
1: And what I it do It may find, not be enough for all people. Mm-hmm. You may need that accountability on your food. That's fine. That's great. Is it working? Yes. <laughs> don't fix it. Please don't okay. fix it. Okay, great. If it works, don't fix it.
0: Because I have seen a lot of people around me that have gone from a food sponsor to only a step sponsor. And many of them have
1: picked up. Okay. If this is working for you, please don't change it. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Suri.
0: Next question.
6: Hi, my name is Jerry, and I'm calling from Michigan. I have a question. Go ahead, uh, listen, Jerry. Thanks. You know what? I've been I've been in the program about a couple of months, and I found a sponsor, and so now some difficulty is coming up because my sponsor can't uh, work with me, in, you know, at nighttime, and it's not just because I have two jobs. So I find that by me having two jobs, it's hard to find someone that at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the only reason why I really stand absent is because I know from being in programs before that when it came to a sponsor, When they dropped me or things didn't work out, I would go back out. But Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back out. So when you can't find somebody at night, Mm because it seems like it's difficult, because a lot of people Mm -hmm. have their own lives, jobs, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And my spouse is willing to work with me, but I can't depend on her all the time because there's something that she just can't do. So what do you do?
1: You find someone else. You take, and you do what it, it takes. Absolutely. If you, if you right. had a I favorite, found
6: that, like, she, like she gave me some numbers, and then huh? I found out that there are some people that's not working uh, the big book, the vision for you, uh, big book, the 164 pages. They're in other OA programs, and Find I don't want. Find someone
1: else. Find okay. someone else. You will not recover out of the OA literature. There's some really good information in there. There's some really good information on the traditions in there, but there are no instructions how to work the steps in there. So you find someone else. I don't know where this turned into a sponsorship thing, but okay. The bottom line is is that um if 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 all these things are in place, find someone else. I must mm-hmm. seek the recovery with the same energy I sought the illness. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm hmm. Okay.
0: Thank you, Terry. Also, just a reminder that at least on a vision for you you have a you have a, a variety of people around the globe uh, in different time zones that are available, perhaps you know at at times that uh would work for you. so just planting that seed, you might want to look in that area. Thank you. Any other questions related to step one this morning powerlessness, the twofold illness our grave Nature of our illness, allergies, the body, sure. obsession of the mind. Go ahead. Uh,
6: my name. Is-
1: I can't hear.
0: I think we lost you. Try again, please.
10: Um. Hello, this is Sherry. Can you Sherry, hear go me? Ahead. I, yes, I Sherry. W- go ahead. I was wondering my name is- how. My name is Carol.
0: Sherry, and then Carol, please. Thank you. I was wondering how I could find out about the uh, big book workshops those weekends, that weekend in San Diego. How do I find out more information about big book studies the way that um, you do it or the, this program does it?
2: Sherry, are you speaking about
0: Harlan's upcoming yeah, big book yeah. study?
2: In San Diego,
0: Harlan, you want to enlighten us on those dates? It looks as if Harlan is not on the line.
1: Okay. We'll await his arrival. Okay. I'm sorry. I was muted there, and I don't know what what happened there. Okay. Uh, Are you there? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. I don't have anything scheduled for the rest of the year, and normally by this time, I have a lot on my you know, a lot on my docket. I am going to Cleveland to the convention, but I don't know that they're going to put me to work there. I have no idea. Um, and I don't know what the situation is with San Diego. They said the first weekend, but that that's not written in stone yet. Um, when it is, if you go on their website, go on the San Diego website, site it'll tell you when that's going to be.
0: Okay, thank you. Carol, are you available now to ask your question? Star 1 to unmute.
2: Can you hear me?
10: Yes.
6: Okay, Harlan, I want to thank you so much. And I've been thinking about what you said about my grandmother. My grandmother also never used artificial sweetener. Mm-hmm. And I gave it up 2 years ago and mm-hmm. I'm finding that that has just helped me immensely getting helping me get rid of the sugar craving and um so I just like to thank you and I'm going to think about what my grandmother did eat and what she didn't eat. Thank you.
7: Okay.
0: Thank you. Any other questions this morning? The topic is step 1, twofold nature of our illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, powerlessness. Star 1, to unmute if you have a question. Leia, are we there? Yeah, we're here. Maybe all mines are cleared. Could be. Could be. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Anyone else? No? Star one ton mute. Yes,
10: go ahead. Um, I'm new. How do I? When do I? Um, when do I like tell my name and number? Right now. I just came now. Okay, my name is um, Tamar, Um, and my number is. Hold on.
0: Well, welcome to you. We lost you there. We can certainly get your number. Yes, we can certainly get your number after the recording. And welcome to you. We're glad you're here. Anyone else with a question this morning?
3: Uh, hi, this is Ronnie. Yeah. I'd love to say hi. Um hi. I don't really have a question. I just want to say that there are no coincidences, and I was just feeling desperate this morning and went online to listen and. Harlan your clarity is 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 a gift, and I thank you for it and I just feel like my whole brain opened up and um i I the, that's all I can say so thank you, thank you, thank you for having this meeting and Harlan. Thank you not just for your recovery but for your clarity and how clear you're able to share it, and that it's the light that you bring to so many of us who are really struggling and I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. That's-
1: Thank you. You're very, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Hi, this is
8: Lisa from South Jersey.
1: Hi, Lisa. Go ahead.
8: Hi, hi, Leah. Go ahead. Hi, Harlan. Hi, everyone. Harlan, thank you. I love you. You're wonderful as always.
2: Um, would you leave your contact information again? I wasn't able to jot it down when you gave it the first time.
0: Hello. Lisa, we hear you. Hold on. Oh,
2: okay.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Harlan might have been muted. Yeah, I don't know
1: what it it sometimes it, it, it mutes me and I don't
0: know why. Yes. Okay. Harlan, right. when that happens, when that happens, yeah. Harlan, if you press eight, the number eight, that okay. that will stop.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, my phone number is four eight zero four nine five eight nine six one. That number again is 480-495-8961. And my email is Harlan, H-A-R-L-A-N, 288, at com. That's Harlan, H-A-R-L-A-N, 288, at com.
0: Thank you so much. No problem. Thank follow. you. Thank you. Any other questions before Hi. we close up shop this morning?
3: Hi, this is Catherine. Can I ask a question?
0: Go ahead, please.
3: Um, and this is about the allergy. Um, Harlan, when you come up against a food that has generally been safe for you and has generally in, in proper amounts worked for you and worked within your plan, but that starts to change, even if it's a food that everybody says, says is healthy, how do you deal with these changes that come up?
1: I avoid that food once I realize I'm obsessing about it, I'm thinking about it. It's, it, it's jazzing me up. I can't have it at that point things will change that is one of the things that is different about our addiction than alcohol or drugs or gambling or what have you the alcoholic never has to change their alcohol plan the drug addict does not have to change their their cocaine plan or their whatever drug they're taking they're either doing it or they're not in our case Things will change over time, and as people start to put down the food, what also will happen is they start buying things they don't need. They'll start engaging in sometimes in sexual relationships, or they'll start doing other things because the mind, the mental twist, is looking for a way to shake these feelings. So that is so vital that we have a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps rather than dieting with group support. There are people listening probably right now that have bought things they don't need, that have engaged in behaviors they couldn't figure out why they were engaging in while they were dieting with group support. And this is where that's blowing out on us is the mental twist is looking incessantly for a way to quiet down these feelings. What is the job of the mind? Make you feel better. That's what it's doing. It's what it's doing. I hope that uh, hope that answers it. Thank you. Anyone
0: else?
6: Hi, this is Going, Teresa. I have a
0: question. Uh, Teresa, yeah. go
6: for it. Hi. Um, I was wondering, if, Harlan, if you could say something about the tools of the program. The meetings that I go to, there's a heavy emphasis on the tools. and not you, won't like what
1: I, you won't like what I have to say. The tools are a great distraction from working the steps. If you'll notice, can you hear me? Am I still muted or unmuted or what? We no,
6: hear I you. Hear, I okay. can hear you. The tools, and
1: great, the tools are a great distraction. In Overeaters Anonymous, for decades, we have been addicted as an organization to do anything except work the steps. And so we've come up with these tools. And the tools will be something that we can utilize as an alternative to the steps to make sure that we'll die in the food. If I am working step 10, I'm calling other people. Because I have to discuss this immediately. That's a tool. If I'm doing my inventories, I'm writing. That's a tool. If I'm working step 12, I'm calling, I'm this, I'm that. Work the steps, ignore the tools. The tools will not lead you into the steps, but the steps will lead you into the tools. The tool emphasis is dieting with group support. Spend my time, spend your time working the steps, you'll recover. Spend your time with a closed big book, concentrating on calling and writing and all that. Those are great things. Those are wonderful things. But they will not affect a spiritual awakening. They won't do it. Tools can be a distraction steps will save my life.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Anyone else? I heard maybe one Kathleen? other person. Kathleen, go yeah. ahead with a question. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Kathleen from Connecticut. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I just want to say thank you so much, Harlan, for uh for your clarity. And for emphasizing, again, that you don't need to be abstinent for seven days, 90 days, three months before you begin working the steps. The steps is the only way to recover. And I have been in, um, I'm recovering from relapse at this point. Had had a strong program, um, had had a really strong uh, network of recovered people around me and moved into an area where there was nothing uh, not nothing there was sick oa mm-hmm. and i ended up being like the only only person and you can't and and my recovery got weaker and weaker um And I ended up in relapse. um, Trying to find a recovered sponsor who would take me through the steps or work, do step work with me Mm -hmm. had had proved pretty futile until I went into some strong AA meetings. What you say is absolutely uh, proved true in my own life. Uh, in in a strong AA meetings where they work from the big book and all they talk about is the big book and um, are willing to um, share their experience, strength, and hope, no, no matter what your addiction is, um, I thank God every day for finding these meetings. And I, eventually actually found an OA sponsor who um, was listening listening to a vision for you which then brought me into these meetings and why I'm here today to hear you say all this other stuff is nonsense. And Mm -hmm. absolutely, the tools are nonsense. Mm -hmm. They will lead you away. That is all, uh, you know, for over 10 years I was in meetings where there were only food sponsors. And I kept saying, I don't need a food sponsor. I have a plan. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I know
0: what God doesn't want me to eat. Mm -hmm. But no one was able to work steps with me. So thank you so, so much. Um, Whatever meetings you're in, um, you know, a blessed to hear that message. A day or two of putting the food down, you are ready. You're ready to roll. You're ready to roll. And thank you, Kathleen. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Any other questions this morning? Before we bid mm-hmm. one another farewell. Questions oh, please. Hi,
9: Tatiana
5: would like to speak.
0: Can I please get Kathleen's number, lady who just spoke? Mm-hmm. We will get that after the recording, please. Thank you. Uh Tatiana, go ahead with a question, please. Uh this
9: is uh, could you please uh Harling, thank you very much uh, for your speaking. And could you please tell slowly your phone number because I am immigrant for me. It's very difficult to catch your okay. number.
1: Tatiana, my phone number is 480-495-89-8961.
9: 89 6 one Okay, thank
0: you. No problem. And next question, please. Uh, This is Marge. Marge, go ahead with your question. Thank you.
4: Yes, I have a question for Harlan. Um, Well, maybe this is uh, food for thought. (laughs) You know, since this is Overeaters Anonymous, you know, it's not sugar anonymous or flour anonymous, could it be that the physical allergy is triggered by picking up that first compulsive bite and not necessarily the sugar and flour substances?
1: I can trigger the physical allergy with a lot of other things besides sugar and flour.
4: Yes, and that's what I'm saying, that, right, that um, our disease is triggered by that first compulsive bite, no matter what I, it is.
1: I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, Marge. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that sugar and flour are safe, but I can eat a lot of other things and trigger the physical allergy.
4: Well, what I'm saying is that the physical allergy is triggered by, by the first compulsive bite. If we just stay away from that first compulsive bite, shouldn't we be able to eat anything, whether it's sugar, flour, or whatever, to concentrate on that first compulsive bite?
1: I, I, I'm not sure I understand the question, or I'm not sure I understand the point. I think the point is that it's not just sugar and flour. But here's what I'm sort of hearing too, that at some point it will be okay for you to eat sugar and flour. If it's okay for you to eat sugar and flour, that's fantastic. It is never by any known means, there is no way that medical science has made it possible for a person like me to eat Almond Joy bars safely. Science may one day accomplish this, but it has not done so yet. Every time I eat an Almond Joy Bar, I'm going to eat 50 of them or 30 of them or whatever it is. I'm going to eat other things. I'm not quite sure I'm understanding the question. I'm thinking that the question is, are there other things that trigger the allergy? Yes. Yes, there are. If I eat certain fried foods, if I eat egg rolls or I eat pizza, well, pizza has flour, but if I eat certain cheeses, certain things, I'm gonna go bananas. I'm gonna absolutely go ballooning Tunes for that. So I'm not quite sure what the question is. I hope I'm answering it. I don't know. I wasn't quite sure what the question was there. Well, um, what
4: I'm saying is that, that, you know, could it be that the physical allergy is is triggered not necessarily by any food substance, whether it's sugar, flour, or egg rolls or whatever, that is mm-hmm. triggered by taking that first compulsive bite, you know, because yes. you know they say that all action is born in thought. Right. So, so if I think, so I, if I think that sugar and flour is going to trigger me, well, then so be it.
1: Okay. It, I, so when I I, I I don't have any control of what substances are going to trigger the allergy. If all action is born in thought, that's true, but. I can't think my way out of this illness. The physical allergy is not the result of what I think or what I don't think. And when you say it's triggered by the first compulsive bite, if I have a meal in front of me that is weighed and measured and is on my food plan, I am not going to trigger the physical allergy. It's not going to happen.
4: Well, see that's what I'm saying. If I have um, if I have my my uh, meal in front of me mm-hmm. and it might include some sugar mm-hmm. if you're you know looking and that's all meal, and that's and that's all part of my meal great. then um what I'm saying is I should be able to do that without without triggering um
1: You know, you're different than me. You're different than me. Physiologically, you are different than me. You may not be a compulsive overeater. I have no idea what your pathology is, no clue. But if at some point you can't eat sugar safely, it would raise red flags to me that you're not. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're an evil person. A non-compulsive overeater who gets into trouble with food may eat sugar. I'm I'm told. I'm not one of those people. Safely. I am not one of those people, so I don't relate to that at all. I do not relate to being able to eat ice cream safely.
0: Thank you, Harlan, for uh, explaining that further. Again, our grave nature of our illness, an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Thank you so much, Harlan, for your time this morning in offering us this revealing study and offering us your insight and experience. We appreciate your time this morning. And I'm going to close the meeting now with... The reading that we close A Vision for You with, and that is from page 164 in the chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order.